RadioInfluence.com. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Frankie Val in the basement and Beans. You're always in the basement though, Frank. I know, but today it really looks like a basement. I wish we could see it. Show it. Oh. <laughs> I, I, maybe at the end, that's a special bonus. People can see. You know what we didn't do the other day? We didn't play the um, Elon Musk like audio thing that we were going to play. Yeah, yeah, I know. But it's okay. And then um, I have something I want to show everybody first that really made me laugh. Uh, there was that um, Lori Lightfoot election. He's treating. Yesterday. Was, okay, congratulations, Lori. She lost, surprisingly. <laughs> but this this came out, and it's hysterical, and I want to show everybody it. So, here. He's treating migrants, human beings, babies, children, elders. He's treating them like freight, like a political pawns. There's nothing of goodwill about what this man is doing. So you asked me before um, if there was more communication. What, where I'd start is to say, Governor, respect these people as human beings. Start with that. <laughs> so she went from Lori Lightfoot to Brian Stelter. Well, I in... mean, look, somebody came in and sprinkled a little Beetlejuice dust on her head and it shrunk. Yeah. It's just so funny how the voice transformed into into Brian. Yeah, it was Brian. You do a really good Brian impression. It's so funny nah. because your headphones are being blurred out also. So. <laughs> so it looks like I have an alien creature on my head. Yes. That you can't see or something something obscene. <laughs> well, with you, you never know. Yeah, you never know. You never I'm know. sorry. No, it's okay. It's all fine. Um, whose sound is gone? Somebody in the chat said our sound is gone. I don't know if it's... Who's sound, Gigi? It was Gigi. Well, anyway, she lost. She did. She and lost. And what? She came in like fourth place. Yeah, so. third place, wasn't it? Third place? It was third place. But yeah. She's done. So who takes her place now? Is it somebody good? I don't know, but uh, I, I have to imagine that this is a very, very strong message from people in Chicago. Oh, yeah. So so I, anybody who does come in better not have the game plan of just continuing what she was doing. So I, I, I just I really don't know. Um, this morning, Will showed me a clip of Eric Adams in New York City talking about how once prayer left schools, gun came guns came in. Well, talk about the, a broken clock being right once a day at least. It's crazy. I was like, what? what? But when was that from? I think it was recently. I don't know. He didn't send the clip to me. I just heard him listening to it. I'm like, who is that? Who is that? Um, but let, let's get into the bulk of what today is going to be about because I think it's really important. So, okay. There was that hearing, the a joint election integrity hearing between the Senate and the um house in Arizona the other day and among other things there was a woman that came forward Jacqueline Brieger who presented a bunch of information about cartels laundering money and bribing um elected officials judges police um all kinds of people in Arizona to do their bidding and that is something that absolutely happens especially in a state like Arizona. It's been something that's talked about for decades in Arizona. That is not in question. The specific allegations that these folks made were wide-ranging, very um, targeted basically at Katie Hobbs, for the mo there are a lot of them at Katie Hobbs, um, and involved a woman who was named Brittany Chavez, who was forging, allegedly, helping to forge and helping to facilitate these documents, whether it be she was forging notary signatures or whatever, to get these houses sold to launder money through the house sales, all all kinds of, of stuff at an election integrity hearing. Because one small section of the claim was that this also there was also an election integrity piece to this and voter fraud piece to it that Adrian Fontes was put into office. Adrian F Richer was voted in to get 
to free up Fontes to be able to run for Secretary of State. So like there's some sort, and you know, there were ballots and cash found, counterfeit ballots and cash found, just a couple of claims about election fraud that were kind of woven into this whole thing. Um, he provided, or that there's a gentleman attached to this investigation named John Thaler, um, who was not present at the hearing. They provided some documentation to back up what they were saying. Um, and so everybody started kind of saying, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing story ever that this is happening. We need to get these people, look at all this corruption in Arizona and demanding that I talk about it. So I did my due diligence for a couple days on it. And it's unfortunate in my opinion. It really is. Um, so one of the things, Frank, you need to do with with anything if you can't I couldn't verify or I couldn't verify his claims with what he provided because it was all legitimate paperwork right so without the rest of the background there's no way for me to verify that what he's saying is true okay in his report and I didn't listen to any outside interviews with podcasters I didn't, I didn't want to bias myself with his testimony outside of what he bare bones gave because I just wanted to look at the data he provided and make a decision on the data itself, not on his personality or her, her personality or, you know, whatever questions anyone had or anything like that. So let, th- there's one interview I did watch last night after I finished this monster thread that I did, and it was with Jovan Pulitzer. And he asked a question that I think everybody needs to hear the answer to. Now, ignore the echo, terrible echo on this audio feed, but just listen to what he says and then understand why I couldn't verify anything that he provided. Final final question, so I understand it. When you, when you made all these documents uh, available to everyone, is it your belief that citizens can cross-confirm the information and double-check the information, and that's what will support your cause, which is why you release the documents? No. No. Um, no. Why do we release the documents? documents because, because the allegations that were made were so serious that for people to see, or ultimately see, they didn't see that day, um, see the 90 or so documents that Ms. Breger provided to committee members. Especially because a lot of committee members were not going, willing to release them. Um, that was not enough for to satisfy people, and nor should it be. Uh, you know, we were given a 20-minute window in which to present our findings. So we provided documents that were very limited so that we could show them and say, okay, take a look at this, take a look at that. But people have a right to know what this investigation is or what the scope is. And that when we say we've looked at over now, I think, almost close to 150 pages, 150,000 documents. It's, it's helpful, helpful for them to see the meticulous, meticulous way in which we go about the work. work. So the documents that we released since were not designed so much for people to go out and test, although they certainly can do that. It was designed to show people the meticulous nature of what we do and how careful we are to make any statement whatsoever. Got it. Jacqueline. Okay. So you can't really verify with what they provided. You could try, but he's saying here that they're so meticulous that the documents were more to show the process that they go through than to prove the actual stuff. So there, right, that yeah. kind of wipes out my ability to, to verify any of this without his team and forensic investigators and all that. So fine. Okay. That's a strike in my opinion from the get. But I wanted to find out what's going on here, right? Where did this start? How did he get on this trail? Who is he? What's his background? So I went to his website and he goes through and explains this story um, and who he is. And he's an attorney and he has a national security background and all kinds of stuff. And then he directs us to look at a case that he filed. It is not a divorce case. It is not a custody case. But the name of this is why McKinley was abducted. So his son, he claims, was abducted to try to stop him from uncovering all of this stuff and is being held as sort of ransom in this whole thing because he won't stop uncovering this stuff. So 
I went and looked at this case and that's where everything just fell apart for me. And I'll explain why. This case okay. is against Brittany Thaler, his ex-wife. He alleges that his ex-wife is in the family, the Chavez family, that is one of the cornerstones of the cartel operations and the, the money laundering and all of that stuff in not the drug smuggling and all that, but the money and financial and corruption aspect of all of this story. Okay. He started that lawsuit in California. It was moved to Arizona for lack of jurisdiction. He filed the lawsuit against a bunch of different people. Brittany Thaler, her mom, her mom's husband, a bunch of counties in, Cal in uh, Arizona, and 150 Doe defendants who he couldn't identify because he didn't have enough information. This is just what he presented as his case. I did not look at what their counterclaim was or their counter evidence was. I didn't look at what they said he did. I didn't do anything but examine what he put forth as his, his understanding of how this all went down. He alleges, um, the election fraud claims in this complaint, by the way, referenced the 2020 election because the 2022 election hadn't happened yet. And it's two lines. It almost seems to me that he added the election integrity piece in to garner more attention for what he was going through because he knew it was a hot button issue when he filed. And so there's not enough information. Like the rest of this has a whole bunch of his background information and why he thinks what he thinks in it. But election integrity is two lines. So it's almost like an afterthought that it was thrown in there. But this case, again, it's not his divorce case. It's not his custody case. It's a civil suit that he brought against his ex-wife, now ex-wife, even though he argues that the divorce decision is fraudulent too. But we'll get into that in a second. He alleges that his wife's family, and this is all what he said. I'm not adding anything here. He alleges that his wife's family has been involved in this criminal activity since the 70s. And then during the 80s, the volume of fraudulent claims through defendant Donna, that's the wife of his, that's the mother of his wife, his mother-in-law, control increased until 1990. And then it tapered off and it picked up again in like early 2000s. He says he discovered his wife's involvement in 2018 and 19. And that it was then that Brittany Thaler and her mom devised a scheme to extort him by taking his child from him if he kept digging on what he had found. So what he's saying basically is he found all the stuff out about his wife's family and then his wife said, well, I'm taking the kid and you're never going to see him again if you keep going with this. Perfectly plausible. I mean, it's it's perfectly plausible, right? So he, he alleged that the custody battle that she brought forth was all using fake information. So all of the allegations of, of what he did are all fake and false and not true. And she was using... So essentially we have a, a we, essentially we have a situation where there is a it's a a, a private matter that has somehow be where, where does Katie Hobbs and cartels come in again? Well, that's the thing. It comes in as this investigation into her progresses that he's doing, he uncovers all the other stuff. So as right. he's investigating this, but this is where it starts. And I think that that's important for everybody to understand that he tells us to look at this. He tells us, go look at this. So that's what I'm doing. Um, he alleges that all the major parties in his custody case uh, to get his kid are also bribed or paid off to, to, to rule in favor of the mom and the family, the Chavez family. So everybody from the judges down to the uh, law guardians that look out for the child's best interest, all of those people are on the take through the Chavez family. He says that Brittany's mom was, was injured in 1990, which caused her to lose her ability to work, and that her husband was bipolar, and wouldn't take his medicine and motored through the family fortune, which caused them to go into poverty. And Brittany Thaler grew up in this life of poverty where she didn't have any money or, you know, anything. And then all of a sudden the family says, you know what, we're going to go to our extended family and start up again in this criminal organization to bring in some money for ourselves. So they decide because they're in poverty, because the mom can't work, because the dad's bipolar, that now they need to start doing this illegal money laundering stuff again. 
he says that Britney was engaged in criminal activity when she was a teenager. She was a prostitute. She had HPV and had surgery to remove some lesions or cysts, he calls them. But when I read this paragraph, it didn't make sense to me. And why he'd included it didn't make sense to me either. After two bouts with precancerous HPV cervical cysts and their removal in 2011 and in 2013, Brittany focused her attention primarily on the family's criminal enterprises until shortly after becoming engaged to Thaler. However, after their son McKinley was born, Brittany's irrational fear of poverty caused her to return to the enterprises and to other illegal forms of earning money. Oh, okay. So I, now I see where it starts coming. It, it, it just, for all the headlines that this has been garnering, I was, it's just confusing as to why we aren't talking about cartels and whatever from the get-go. I can't. I can't because he tells you, you can't prove anything I'm saying. I mean, you really can't. Right. So okay. what I have at that point to go on is how did this all happen? You know, I go to his website and he says, well, here's a case I filed against the person involved in all of this. He alleges that this person, Brittany Thaler, is the one who's doing all the forgery in the, the Katie Hobbs cartel section. So let's learn about what happened with Brittany Thaler so that we know who she is and what she's involved in. He sued her in court about that same thing that she was doing. Not with Katie Hobbs, because I guess they didn't get there yet at this point, but this is the whole operation in this lawsuit. So let's look into it. Each, each section of this allegation has like numerous ways that this crime is committed, how the payroll crimes committed, how the, the you know, title frauds committed, all the, the ways that people genuinely launder money through different places to hide that money and, and conceal it. All that stuff, it, it happens. That's how it's done. I mean, I have no doubt that this gentleman worked on some investigations, as he claimed. Um, I have no doubt that he may have aided law enforcement. But the problem is that this entire thing seems to stem from a massive beef with his ex-wife. And what he starts talking about now, it's just unbel it's an unbelievable story. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, literally unbelievable. I don't believe it. It's too much. It's it's too crazy. Here we go. He alleges that she murdered an ex-lover who stalked her after she left that relationship. She said he says that this ex-lover had recordings of her being involved in this criminal activity that she was involved in that he was going to release to the authorities if she didn't stay with him. So she poisoned him. And then dug a hole in the desert and buried his body there. And he he knows about that. And he knows where the body is. And he knew about it back then. But uh, I guess since he was married to her, it wasn't important for him to tell the authorities that she had committed murder and buried a body in the desert. He just kept it to himself. Um, his story is that she knew this is very very breaking bad by the way even though it's arizona it's really something his story is that she knew that he had like he had been previously married he had a wife of 30 years that was also involved in this cartel hiding money laundering business he married her she was also involved in this criminal enterprise at a, in a large degree and he for the 30 years he was married to her protected her from the authorities Brittany Thaler knew that he would protect her from the authorities because he had done it before. So she devised a scheme to get a fake judgment planted against him in California and then use that to kind of entrap him so that she could tell him anything that she wanted him to know about their, their familial criminal enterprise. And then he could investigate that all while keeping her safe from prosecution and any wrongdoing because they were married. And he's an attorney. Do you see the spousal protection thing? He can't testify against her if they're married. He can protect, like, that's what he's alleging. He's alleging, I did this once. She knew it. So she devised a big plot to keep me in her clutches so that I would protect her, but still expose the criminal enterprise that is her family, only using the stuff that she wanted me to know. But okay. he says also he discovers that stuff before his wife brings any of it to him. He also alleges that the father, I forgot to mention this, Brittany Thaler's dad was Matt, um, bipolar. And I think I said that 
it's just a lot of people around him have mental illness, like serious mental illness, not just your run of the mill, like run of the mill, but depression or something normal. It's like schizophrenia or sociopathy or sociopathy or something major. Um, he has a dispute on a house that he owns with an HOA where the, the HOA wants him to like fix something or do something. And he for, fights with them about it. And he has to fix up some parts of his property. And so he starts digging into the HOA and he finds that the HOA too is involved in the criminal enterprise and laundering money and, you know, stealing money from people and stuff like that and has fraudulent documents and stuff. Um, that's where this judgment comes from. That he says Brittany Thaler had fraudulently placed against him to cause this whole ripple effect to begin is this making sense? Uh, it, it's I, I'm I'm dangling on the precipice of being completely lost, which again is I I don't I only because I'm trying to balance out what what the what, what's been trending on the internet about Katie Hobbs, the Arizona state government, and Mexican cartels, and this has been a crash course in this 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 tumultuous family situation, and. Uh, to, to see the bleed over, it, it's it's just, it's I don't know. It's, he, uh, it's, the a, woman it's a little he, odd. The woman he's alleging was involved as the cornerstone of the Katie Hobbs cartel fraud is this Brittany. Right, his wife. His wife. It's her. Yes. So okay, yeah. this is a case against her from before he discovered that she had done the Katie Hobbs stuff. Right. He was already investigating her. But this judgment keeps following him around and he doesn't like look into the judgment. He just says, oh, it's not enough to screw me out of this house sale I'm making, so I'm going to ignore it. If, Frank, if you're selling a house and someone comes to you and says, you've got a judgment against you that might mess up your, your title or, or the transfer of this home sale, are you going to be like, ah, it's not enough? It's not enough. Or are you going to look into where the hell this judgment came from? Like, why do I have a judgment against me for $12,000? Why? Yeah. From, from an outside observer, in just using what he's presented here, it looks like he didn't pay whatever he had to pay to the HOA and they went to court and got a judgment against him for it. Plain and simple. But right. he alleges that all the documents are fraudulent, that the HOA is laundering millions of dollars, that none of it's real, like that they're involved in a big criminal enterprise, the HOA that he was living under. And, and there's just no... There's just no evidence to, to to prove it. No, and no, and and literally everyone that he gets into any adversarial interaction with is involved in this conspiracy. Also, and anyone, anyone that doesn't do what he thinks they should do, it appears he alleges are involved in the fraud and the conspiracy. Jeez. Okay. So he says in here. This is where he starts contradicting himself about his wife. He he starts contradicting his earlier statements in the complaint when he gets into new information. So that's where I start saying, okay, well, you're you're discrediting yourself now because you said one thing and now you're saying something different in the same document less than 10 pages later. He says that they were married in 2016 in Antigua. Remember, poverty is the the, the biggest thing that, that's driving her here. She's afraid of poverty, but meanwhile, they're getting married in Antigua. And he's alleged to be a successful lawyer with this burgeoning investigative practice. Immediately upon yeah. returning home, Brittany demanded that the couple start having a child. She got pregnant in 2016, but she stopped taking her psychotropic medication since February of 2016. Instead, she was taking drugs, MDMA, to control her antisocial behaviors and fentermine to control her weight and reduce her bulimia. So now she's bulimic, antisocial, and was on antidepressant medication, which he contradicts later by saying he had no idea that she was a sociopath and crazy. She was treating herself with Molly? Yes. So, so obviously, this, yeah, this is all self-medication. And during the pregnancy, she was also allegedly on drugs to pay for those drugs and to do so in such a way that her mom wouldn't detect it. She purchased groceries using her debit card and then provided 
the groceries to her friends in exchange for cash. So he's saying to keep her drug habit going while she was pregnant with their son, she would buy groceries for friends on their credit cards and the friends would give her the cash so she could go and buy drugs with it so that her mom wouldn't find out. But her mom is allegedly also in this big criminal enterprise. So but Kyle Serafin in the chat room said something very interesting that that's that's uh, gone through my mind once or twice already as I was fighting this confusion. Uh, he said, Tracy, Frank, can we uh, just cover how weird it is to file all this personal information? And I, that's, I think that's what is... Uh, well, I mean, he accuses her of being a prostitute, a drug dealer, a sociopath, um, a drug addict, a criminal. Um, and he goes into... I mean, it's 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 not normal. It's just, it's not normal to do this. Nothing about this is normal. No. Um, but it, it sounds like a very, at the same time, there's a lot of abnormal relationships, terrible, uh, you know, nightmarish relationships uh, that are all around us. So I don't, uh, I, I, I tend to think that abnormality in this way is in fact very normal that it, it's going on everywhere, but it's not really of great public interest. It become, it becomes public interest, though, when you start throwing up the signal flares and saying that we have a, we have a situation where um, governors and Sinaloa cartels are all involved in this thing, and the more you dig into it, it, it looks like just a very nasty dispute between uh you know between family and 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 all that stuff that it, i don't know it, 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 at the end of the day all of it stems from this all of it stems from this all of it stems from this which is unfortunate because there's more to go through here real quick that will explain to you why it is that if it's all because of this we have a serious problem on our hands because it gets worse and it's, okay, it's just, ahead. it's just not, it's not. The filing continues for dozens of pages, but remember the alleged scheme was that Brittany, the wife was to entrap Thaler with a fraudulent judgment. One, even the judge would say was fraudulent because Thaler alleges the judge says, I never signed that document. Okay. She did this so that she would be able to guide him through finding only parts of the multi-million dollar family run criminal organization that she wanted him to find. But when John starts realizing that Brittany racks up tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt on their credit cards, he brings the information to the mom and says, why is your daughter racking up all this credit card debt? Now, remember, this is somebody who's allegedly laundering millions of dollars through houses, through payroll schemes, through, you know, all this other stuff, but still is using their personal, oh, through bankruptcies, which is the whole point of this, which we'll get to in a second. She's, she's allegedly forging bankruptcy documents. So she'll either take a real person and pretend she's them and then rack up a whole bunch of credit card debt and everything else and then claim bankruptcy. And she's got some lawyers on the take who will then go through this bankruptcy process with her as these other people. And that's where a lot of this money's coming from. That's what he alleges in here. Um, oh. So why is she also then racking up tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt personally if she's got this endless stream of cash that she can use to, to, to buy whatever she wants? But that's what he says happened. So fine. So she brings this to the mom and the mom says to Brittany, he's too close to what we're doing. You need to get rid of him and divorce him. Then the both of them, the mother and the daughter. Now the whole plan that the daughter had goes out the window at that point. And now they've got to get rid of Thaler. Because he's too close because he saw these transactions on the credit card and, and it's it's a red flag for him. So now he, she, they hatch a plan together and he goes through double, you know, after you get to Z, you go to AA. She cloned a device to track him and make it look like he was stalking her. She cloned his phone to send text messages that she said were coming from him to her, but actually she was sending from the clone device to herself to make it look like it was him who was sending them. She, um, there's a whole bunch of things in here that she allegedly did. And then when that didn't work to stop John, 
They involved the cops. Um, the scheme in included using cloned phones and a fraudulently, a fraudulently obtained order to prevent the plaintiff, John, from furthering his investigation or discovering the crimes and the individuals involved. And the defendants created a scheme against the plaintiff to cause them to disrupt his law practice and his finances. So now they're going after his money. And that goes on for pages. But then we get really interesting. There's a filing in here where um, Jacqueline Brieger, the woman who did the presentation, files an affidavit, a sworn affidavit, where she goes through some stuff. They're in a relationship. The two of them are in a relationship. They're dating. He couldn't testify in this Arizona hearing. I'm going to go out on a limb because he has warrants out for his arrest in Arizona for non-appearance in his child custody cases. Because every time there was a child custody case, he missed them so frequently that the judge got frustrated and put out a warrant for non-appearance for him. So she says in her affidavit, instead of dealing with the warrants, he fled the state. It forced him to leave. So now he's fleeing warrants in Arizona. So he couldn't be in Arizona to testify because I guess he has active warrants there. So she had to testify in front of this hearing instead. That's what I'm going to go for. Now, they allege that Brittany Thaler compromised the judge and allowed the judge or compromised the judge in his custody case that's got his kid, which is the reason all this is happening because he wants his kid. The judge said, okay, Brittany Thaler, I'll allow you to write all of the orders in this case and sign my name to those orders and upload them into the electronic court system. So he says all of the orders in his custody case are fraudulent because the judge let Brittany write them all, sign his name to them, and upload them. Why wouldn't the judge write his own damn order and upload it with his own signature? Why does she have to write them? Like... It's just, it doesn't, it, that is the most absolutely unbelievable allegation that I've read so far. That a judge is bribed in a custody case not to make decisions a certain way, but to allow the, def the, the plaintiff in that case to literally write and craft the orders she wants, sign his name with her own handwriting, and then upload them to the case management system yeah yeah and, and and what was the bribe again like what 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 did the judge get out of allowing this to happen on his behalf nothing other than so, nothing i guess nothing so then what the, where's the that's just ridiculous i mean if you if any judge allows somebody to to do all of that there has to be a huge huge payoff because what's the point? <laughs> okay. She, she's, he's falsely arrested by Mesa police officers that are also in on the take. He's, that he claims he's falsely arrested. Yes. yes. Oh he, he also oh says that, um, you know, very, he has heart problems and heart, like panic attack issues, I guess. And like, they just so happen to often fall on court dates. So he misses the court hearings that he's supposed to be at. And then he tries to tell the judge like, hey, I missed this court date because I was in the hospital. And the judge says, I don't care if you were in the hospital. You know, you need to be here. But I'll be honest, listen, this court docket here that we're looking at where this is filed, the litany of things that he, like, he is reprimanded a few times they're reprimanded for not meeting dates that's so crucial in a court case that you meet the judge's dates and if you can't meet the dates that you give a very good reason why you can't meet the dates and ask for a continuance and he says he tried to do that but the judge just marched all over him at every turn this is what he's telling you this is not me saying oh this guy said he, he's this is his document so this is what he's telling you um Here's the, 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 there is a forensic document examiner that is the one whose reports they give that they say prove that this stuff is all forged, right? The bankruptcies are all forged. The payroll stuff's all, all the deeds. 
they had someone come in and do an anal- like analyze the signatures to, to see if this were really forgeries or not, or if the same person was writing all of these signatures, etc. And this person who does it, whose reports are included, doesn't really definitively say that that's the case. There are anomalies. There are things that are interesting. There are similarities between signatures. But this is one expert who doesn't even really definitively come to the conclusion that he states that she does, if you read her reports. Um, he tries to... Oh, s- so, it's, so in short, or in, in a nutshell, it seems like a, a family in distress, a guy in, in, in distress that is really could, at least could be, most likely painting a enormous ever growing story of you know more and more uh at this time national magnitude to be able to uh to be able to better manage what is just a a, a, a long list of personal issues mm-hmm. yeah because the, the, as you go on it the, the just there's the claims more. get bigger and bigger yeah and there there's more like like for example jacqueline is going to Brittany's house without John to like try and see the son and talk to her about custody of the son. Now this woman is is not the the she she's like if I were a mom putting myself in Brittany's position and my exes who I think is crazy whether or not he is or not is not being debated right now who I think is crazy is letting her his girlfriend come to my house with all kinds of gifts and stuff for the kid and fight with me over custody. I'm going to call the cops too. That's freaking weird. He has supervised visitation. A judge granted supervised visitation. He argues that she didn't let him see the baby or the kid. He also says that this young, young child at this point has told him that his wife, his mother is acting erratically. He says that she was diagnosed as a sociopath but then says she had an an emotional breakdown. Those two things really don't comport really that well together at all. There's a lot of problems. Then, of course, there's where Jacqueline in her affidavit says that he fled because of the warrants. So now he's evading arrest because of warrants. He was forced to leave Arizona. That's not what that... Like, people will say... If he is this targeted individual and everybody's on the take against him and he gets a warrant against him for his arrest, of course he's going to flee. Or we could look at this for what it is. That's why I didn't want to go into, there's some information out there. He lost his law license in California for a certain period of time. He had to settle or whatever. There's some criminal stuff that's festering under the surface. But accepting what he says is true that he is uncovering all of this massive corruption and fraud anyone could say well they're after him of course they're going to go after his law license of course they're going to accuse him of crimes like i didn't want to even focus on any of that because there's a there's a an excuse for any of it right this is is this is what he's telling you to believe is true and it contradicts itself all over the place it doesn't make any sense it is wild and outrageous, and it's not believable. It's not. It's not believable at all. I'm sorry. If you read through this as a sane person and think that any of it's a believable, there's a problem. But I'm going to skip through all of the stuff that Jacqueline says and get to the real root of why I wanted this lawsuit. He claims that she's forging names on bankruptcies to make money. Bankruptcies are public record. You can investigate bankruptcies if you want to. So I took of the hundreds on here that he re- provided in this aff- in this um, filing, I took 10 and I researched them. They're all real people who just happen to be named Brittany. So he's saying Brittany Chavez or whatever her name is, Thaler Chavez, whatever. He's saying that Brittany forged her, chose people, all happened to be named Brittany to falsify bankruptcies on so she could take the proceeds and basically run up debt under these people's names and then get it expunged in a bankruptcy all unbeknownst to them or that these people were fake and she created their identities to be able to use them for identity theft and fraud right the unfortunate thing for John Thaler is that these people are real 
they're all real. They all had different sorts of debt. They all have addresses, social security numbers, spouses. One of them is a military wife. Um, they're not fake people. And the only way that I can, without a shadow of a doubt, confirm that they actually did this and claimed bankruptcy is to reach out to them, which I did for one. But truthfully, after looking through the dockets of all these bankruptcy cases, which one I provided here, the attorneys, some of them are in different states, not Arizona. They're real bankruptcies. They go through the debts that are expunged, car loans. One woman had like a ridiculous amount of medical bills that she just couldn't pay and she needed to claim bankruptcy. None of what he's saying about these bankruptcies is true. But how do how does that even relate to his ex? Like if the, if there are all these people uh, who are claiming bankruptcy, and even if they're all all their names are Brittany, what does that have to do with his ex? Right? What, what could saying, she possibly do to 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 profit off of all these? people? He's just saying that they're all fake, and he's making a he's making a uh, he's gathering evidence that she's part of some scam. But is she is she a bankruptcy lawyer or no? Like why why would it even make sense for her to be doing this? This is part like, well, of how... their fam familial criminal enterprise. That this is one of the subsects okay. of it. She why he... even bring that to a courtroom if you know it's so easily debunked? That's 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 weird. That he would even bring all these names. That all you need to do is a little bit, of just like some shallow digging through them to realize that these aren't made up people the real people that are that are trying to dig themselves out of bad financial situations it's really easy to find a bunch of bankruptcy cases with the name Brittany. you just go to pacer and search with a date range and they'll all come up for you what's then then okay yeah i get that because obviously he was able to do it but how does he how does he uh Claim that his ex was actually able to get financial benefit from all of these cases. He's it's saying one thing to that go she used their identities to do different financial transactions. Right. And then okay. bankrupt them so that the, 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 the monies weren't due at the end of it. God, but, that's such a bad that's such a bad story. But at the same time, she's she's putting the couple into debt. She's right. That's how he finally like that's how the plot against him is launched, because he sees all this debt that that she's run up in her sociopathic frenzy and goes to her mom and says, what is all of this about? Like, why is there all this credit card? Why is she doing this? And then the mother says, we've got to get rid of him. He's 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 on to us. But why does she need to do that? If she's rolling in in millions and millions of dollars of everything here, I, I don't. I know. Just put it into some crypto and make it disappear. The problem here is that um, this is where the entire Katie Hobbs story stems from. His ex-wife. His ex-wife is the whistleblower he talks about. He claims that she brought him a whole bunch of documentation and information, wanted to blow the whistle on the whole story, and then she changed her mind and denied the protection. Everything that he alleges revolves around her. She's the one who signed the deeds fraudulently or notarized them. She's the one behind it all. It's her and her mom. They're the two behind the entire thing that he's alleging happened in at least, you know, a, a fair portion of it, I should say. Probably not the entire thing. But it's all her. And so I went to the root of her. And it's clear he has an axe to grind with her. And I don't know her story. She could be the biggest, I don't know. She could be the biggest scumbag in the world. But he contradicts himself. And he doesn't make sense. And his claims are so ridiculously fantastical as to be absurd. It's impossible. It's just not plausible. It doesn't make any sense. This whole thing. And then when Jacqueline gets involved with it, it gets worse. Like, for example, in this affidavit, she must have drafted it. But he, before they submitted it, 
wrote notes in there in parentheses and text. Mm-hmm. The problem is they didn't delete the notes before they submitted the sworn affidavit. So he's asking her questions. How do you know this? Question mark. In the affidavit that they submitted. Like she's making a statement and he's reading it over, proofreading it to see if it's good or not. And then he puts a note in for her to read when she goes back through it, but they don't delete the note that he added to it. So, okay. Now, could... It's just so hard. It sucks. This whole thing sucks. It sucks so bad. Because I'm sure this stuff is actually happening. But we can't vet what he said because he hasn't provided us the information and is going to provide it in a book. That's how he wants you to get the information in his book. By his book. Okay. We can't vet that, but we can vet all the stuff that happened before it. And when I do that, I don't want to waste any more time on it. I'm done. That's it. It's done. All right. Yeah, I, I would. I I got in touch with my a uh, friend of mine and a past guest, Jeffrey, who first came on with me in 2019 to talk about the Arizona Mafia, and uh, he he had founded Capasa, which was like the first Spanish um, social media social media platform, and was a big Democrat uh, donor and 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 colleague and all that stuff down there in the Arizona area. And man, he he put to, pulled together a really incredible story that had to that that I, I think was just very very compelling. And I told him about this. I sent him over. He and he he had heard about it. And I was going to have him on tonight to talk about it. And uh, I I was even telling him beforehand. And he got back to me. I said, "Listen, we we should probably give this a couple more days to just see just how bad the impact." this has because it's 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 hitting the wall right now and i didn't know too much but i started seeing a your thread and other people starting to say you know uh i there's something just very convoluted and fishy about this whole thing and the fact that the claims get bigger and bigger then then there's this book and everything else so i said you know let's um let's uh let, let's give it a couple days just so that you're not coming on in the middle of a shitstorm and uh, and see what's going on and and even he said uh he said it did not he, he said that um when he this he started seeing this whole biggest scandal in american history like that's how it was being pushed out there a few days ago he said he went and, and went looking to this guy's twitter he scrolled down about five pages mm. and saw that he was tweeting at a strip club in san diego thanking them for a nice time and he said th- that alone, he was like, okay, th- this guy has zero credibility. I don't want anything to do with this. But so I, but uh, as you're saying right now, this is still, um, this is still unraveling. So there's I a couple of give... a couple more things I need to go over real quick. One, the thing that pisses me off about this is that it really doesn't have anything to do with election integrity. And it was somehow it got big through- time. It was used. Election integrity was used as a way for this guy to get more attention on his. That's how I was hooked into the story. I said, what? Well, what the hell is this? I mean, it, even if it were true, not that I think that it that it, so, it, this was the way to fix what happened in the 2022 election in Arizona. But, I, you know, stories like that are really great when you can have when they can be validated. Yeah. But uh, but then, I, you know, he gave, uh, he says he gave all this to people. And he had conversations with them. And then the people come out and say, I've never spoken to you in my life. And then he corrects it. The biggest one that I saw was this one. He tweeted February 27th. So just a few days ago, June, July, 2021 communications with the AZAG's office concerning fraudulent court documents and bribes paid to drudges assistance. And he shares this photo of three envelopes. One of them is printed. The others are handwritten. The address on the envelopes is one... 25 East Elliott Road, right? From, from look, Office of the Attorney General, see? And he shares these envelopes here. If you look and see what 125 Elliott Road goes to, it's the Child Support Services Office. 
So he's putting these envelopes out like he's talking to the attorney general about this case and bribing of judges. But the originating location of these are child support services. He's lying to you. He's just lying to you. So if he's going to lie to you about that, what the hell else is he lying to you about? And if you are okay with him lying to you about all manner of different things, just because you want to hang on to some morsel that will make you feel better about something, we are lost. We can't do that. We can't prop up people who are not credible, who lie to you, who make things up and say, well, some of their information's true. No, no, fine, no. I don't, I don't. It's the no, journey. I think you, you, well, you did enough. For, wow, that's for, the, done. for where the for, for where the story is right now, I think you, I think that's more than enough to. I just, I just think people need to like people get mad at me when I do this. They get mad at me, Frank. Like, oh, you're just attacking the messenger. All you have at this point is the is the word of the messenger. That's all we have. Is his word. So you've never met this man before a day in your life. You have no idea who he is, but he comes forward and weaves a tale of, you know, corruption and Katie Hobbs's and election fraud and blah, blah, blah. And he sprinkles the fairy dust around and you are just like, I believe everything he said. And anybody who says that he may be lying is bad. We can't do that. That's it. That's all I got. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm not saying another word. Cool. So... What else did I have on tap for today? I got the beetle. Oh, let's play the Elon thing. Oh, you want disclaimer, everybody? Disclaimer. And, you're gonna have, and, and on the on the podcast too, that can, the uh, for the radio version can't get it either. Let's end the show and then play it. And then play it. Okay, so ready? <laughs> We're gonna end. You have been listening to the Dark Delight Podcast with Frankie Val in the basement and Beans. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com or 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time live on Rumble, Getter, and Twitter. And make sure you tune in to Frank's show Monday through Friday at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time at QuiteFrankly.tv. We will be back here Friday. Later. <laughs>